You're listening to the SSPX Podcast, and thanks for joining us for this bonus episode, which is one that was originally published in July 2020. We sat down last summer to speak with Father John McFarland, who's the Vocations Director for the U.S. District of the Society of St. Pius X. We're re-airing this episode to draw some attention to the Vocations Retreats, which will be taking place again this summer. A men's retreat in Winona, Minnesota from July 5th through the 10th, and a women's vocations retreat in Phoenix from July 19th through the 24th. In this interview, Father McFarland talks about vocations in general, who should consider attending a vocations retreat, and what kind of people make the best candidates for the religious life or the priesthood. If you'd like to learn more about these vocations retreats this summer or to register, please visit sspx.org, where they are currently featured on the homepage. And if you'd prefer to see a video of this interview, just go to YouTube and search SSPX Vocations Priesthood, and it should pop up for you. With that said, let's turn to our conversation with Father McFarland. Father, thanks for joining us for this video and podcast. Um, you're the vocations director for the Society of St. Pius X in the U.S. District. Is that correct? That's right. So um, I guess before we get into that and before we start talking about the vocation retreats themselves, um, the relationship between the Society of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary and the U.S. District, um, they're kind of separate, but they work hand in hand. Can you explain a little bit how that works? So the, the seminaries uh, of the Society are all considered to be international. Okay. They do not... In terms of the structure, the hierarchy, they do not fall under the district. Uh, they are independent um, okay. in that sense. The seminary rector and the district superior are both major superiors. They're on the same level um, within the society. So each one would be a district superior and seminary rector would, be, would each be involved in, in uh, the general chapters um, and uh, meetings of the superiors and so on. So they're they're at the same level of the hierarchy. Okay. Um, but of course, there, there does have to be collaboration. You know, the, the St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary is located in the United States. Um, the vast majority of the seminarians are from the United States, so they're not all of them, but, right. uh, but like you said, the vast majority. Um, and uh, the seminarians are, are, so to speak, sponsored by by a district. So okay. applications to the seminary go first to the district who then approves the, the their application and sends it on to the seminary. Um, and the, the district does have a certain responsibility for them, uh, even while they are um, the seminarians. And then um, even more so if they they should leave the seminary and come back to the district without being ordained and, and so on. Um, the district has the responsibility to help them readjust to sure. to, uh, to life in the world. To get back to that. Okay. And so as the vocations director, uh, honestly, before you and I started talking about this about a year ago, I didn't even know that there was such a position or um, is, is that fairly common? Is there usually one person, one priest in a district that's kind of in charge of, uh, and we'll get into what, right. what it is you do, but is there usually one person like that? Uh, no, as far as I'm aware, I'm the only one in the society at this Ooh, point. Okay. It is, it is, however, a position that, that does exist in the church at large. Most dioceses, most religious congregations do have a locations director. Okay. And that's not, it's, I mean, it's relatively modern, but it's certainly something that existed throughout the 20th century. Sure. Um, just have somebody 
in charge of getting after this process and helping these these young people to get where they need to be. Okay, so what do you do? What does a vocational director do? Is it about uh, fostering vocations? Is it about, like you said, kind of helping people adjust as they come back from the seminary if they find that that wasn't their, you know, their vocation? You know, what is it that you do? Um, all of those things, in fact. So um, certainly just trying to, to promote um, vocations in general um, to encourage the, the faithful at large to to pray for the intention to um, you know, to contribute to the, the monetarily to the to the process and so on to to get more and more young people thinking about it um, to help those people who are thinking about it to to take the necessary steps and I think that's that's a big part of it. Um, maybe the biggest part for uh, those who, someone who says, I, I want to be a priest or I want to be a religious, what now? What now, right. Uh, and, and in particular, you know, it's a bit easier for um, someone who's gone to a school of the society or is a lifetime parishioner, knows priests that he can talk to easily. Um, but, you know, we're certainly getting a lot of interest from, from people who just recently come into to contact with us, maybe just been to one of our masses a few times. Um, and those people need a lot of uh, guidance, a lot of questions answered. Um, so that's uh, that's been a big part uh, of this process, especially lately. Um, we've had a lot of a lot of just uh, inquiries from, from people who have not previously been associated with us, yeah. um, which has been um, quite fascinating and, and encouraging. Yeah. Um, On that note, have you seen more interest in uh, the religious life and the priestly life? You know, young young men, young women interested in uh, a religious vocation now you know kind of post or in the middle of covid compared to before or, or do you do you foresee that yes happening? i i in fact i have i've certainly received more mm. more inquiries um, since um the lockdowns and so sure. on um, what exactly how exactly that's working and what's driving right. that it's kind of, it's hard to say at this point right uh, but there definitely has been an, an increase in, in uh in contact with me as vocations director for wow. another thing i do is, is help the priests okay um, answering their questions, um, you know, uh, answering questions about particular situations, you know, here's, I'm not sure about this, this young man here is what, what qualifications sure. or here's what might be a problem. What should I do? Right. Uh, where do I go from there? So that I'm still learning a lot on that level. Um, yeah. to, to find answers to those questions, but as, as we go, I'm assuming it'll be easier. Yeah. So why did you, did you, did you ask to be put in this position or did, did, Father Wegner, Father LaRue offered to you. I mean, obviously you, you have a passion for, for vocations. That's something that you, you know, here at Our Lady of Sorrows, you speak about it a lot. Um, not too much. It's good. <laughs> um, but uh, is that something that, you know, was kind of put on you or something you asked for? Or? A little of both. Okay. Uh, the, the priest retreat um, that I was, was attending as a retreatant a couple of years ago. Um, Father Wagner was preaching and he was talking about you know, everyone sort of finding his particular uh, niche, his particular sure. focus of his priesthood, as it were. Sure. Um, and already to that point in my, my previous work, I, I've done a lot of, uh, of work with vocations and young people and so on. And so um, in a consultation, I went to talk to him about it and he said, uh, 
He said, mm, that is very interesting. Um, <laughs> we were looking for someone to be locations director. <laughs> so you were volunteering. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I don't, it's certainly more work, but I don't mind at all. It's, sure. It, it's, it's a necessary work. Yeah. It's a, it's very interesting work. It is something that I love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's, that's what you do. Um, let's pivot to the young man. You know, we're, we're going to be talking probably mostly about um, the seminary and, and the priesthood, uh, but a lot of this obviously applies to uh, the religious life as well. Um, in sermon a few weeks ago, um, you were talking about, you know, how does one get to the position of being called to the priesthood? Uh, and it's that call at the ordinations uh, where the bishop calls calls the young man to, be, to become a priest. Um, you said uh, the bishop doesn't just start calling random guys out of the crowd at ordination. One puts himself in that position by going to the seminary. And you listed some attributes that a seminary needs to have, or a potential seminary needs, needs to have uh, right intention, so some sort of supernatural intention, uh, a lack of impediments, moral and intellectual, fit, intellectual fitness, maturity. But even before that, Father, what is it that you know, a young man is, is just graduating high school or is in the middle of college or something, what is it that they should be looking for themselves interiorly that is kind of a sign or a signal to themselves that, hey, I should maybe I should try out the seminary? Or is it everyone? Should everyone try out the seminary? No, uh, there has to be, like I said, the, the, the certain degree of necessary qualities. Okay. So there are people who are not going to be cut out for it, uh, certainly, um, and that'll be evident. But most are not going to be so obviously disqualified. And it's not necessarily finding something in oneself mm-hmm. that can happen. Uh, everything can happen you you know hearing stories about what what got some young man to the to the seminary everybody's different you know and god working through secondary causes um his grace is obviously there but that's you know we don't perceive that 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 action of grace until there's something that you know that kind of pushes us sure um sensibly in that in that direction and it can be it can be a retreat it can be a piece of advice it can be um you know a a particular light in prayer it can be um you know just a a dawning sense of the need for priests or the need for religious the uh a certain dissatisfaction with with life in the world you know got everything i'm supposed to have got my job got my car got you know why aren't I happy? Is mm-hmm. all there is, you know. Um, and really, it's there. There's uh, as many different things prompting one to that as there are young men who enter the seminary or, sure. or young people who enter the religious life. And and you said it takes a certain generosity. So that's that's probably one of the biggest attributes. It's it's right. a certain amount of generosity to devote your life. I mean, right. shoot, even to go into the seminary itself, uh, but certainly to become a priest, a, you know, a brother, a, a sister. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly when we're, you know, in promoting vocations, a lot of it is about trying to foster that spirit of generosity. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, there's a friend of mine who's, who's now a priest. Uh, it was funny seeing his his journey that sounds like a modern word but you know but truly his journey from trying to figure out what he's going to do in life um he tried to you know all the relationships just kind of didn't work out Mm -hmm. he tried different jobs he tried going to school and there was that sense of dissatisfaction with everything was you know nothing was really working for him he said well i mean i've I've always loved the priesthood so i'm gonna go give it a shot and and try it out um 
And I said, really, you're, you're, you're going to do that. And I, I probably committed the biggest sin that you said not to do in that sermon. Really? You, you're going to, well, um, but he did. And he said, I'm going to stay in the seminary until my superior or God tells me not to. Um, is that kind of a valid path as well? Certainly. And I, you don't want, you don't want to go with this sort of try it mentality of, I'll just get it crossed off my list and I'll, okay. you know, try very hard and I hope they tell me to go. <laughs> sure. But to say, look, I'm going to give this everything I have. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they tell me to go, then I go and I can be entirely at peace, mm-hmm. but this is worth pursuing and I'm going to give myself to it the best that I can. Yeah. Um, and that's, that is definitely a valid way to approach it. And I would say probably, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but if someone is in that position and, and you know, their spiritual director in the seminary says, no, this isn't for you, that doesn't necessarily disqualify them from another avenue in the religious life. That's true. That's true. Unless there, unless there's some canonical impediment, sure. then one is free to, to, to try elsewhere, sure. uh, but they can still make that effort to give his life to God. On that note, it's, it's interesting because we're living in 2020, um, 60, 70, 80, hundred years ago, there were many different religious orders, right? You could become a Jesuit. You could become a diocesan priest. You could become a Benedictine. There's now for young men in America, really three options that, that exist. There's the SSPX brothers, there's the SSPX priests and Benedictines down in New Mexico. This is maybe looking at it in a pessimistic way, but do you think vocations are being lost in a sense because we don't have that many options anymore? Well, I think that we have to account for God's providence as well. Sure. So he's, you know, he's not going to be, uh, he knows that this, this situation would happen. And so, uh, you know, the graces are going to be there for, for young men in those to give themselves in large numbers if they're generous, if they're corresponding with that grace sure. to those three options. Sure. Uh, and certainly at the, at the beginning of the church, um, there weren't a lot of options. They weren't. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So that's fair. Um, on that note, I just received an email from a uh, father of a, of a young lady who made her perpetual vows, uh, in the consoling sisters of the sacred heart in Italy. Um, so sister Maria Elisabetta de Bambino Gnesu, I'm butchering the name, but, uh, two Americans, two American young ladies, um, made their perpetual vows in the it's first vows actually. Oh, no, first vows. Yeah. This, okay. This morning. Yeah. This morning. Uh, and then, uh, four more young ladies in the convent, three of them, uh, from America as well made their, uh, postulants or took the habit, took the habit, yeah. took the habit this morning. Um, when you're talking with a young man and a, or a young lady, um, and they say, I would like to devote my life to God, help me figure out what to do. Um, do you kind of help them figure out, you know, I'm maybe you should go to the consoling sisters of the sacred heart. Maybe you should go to the SSPX sisters. Maybe you should be a Carmelite. Um, do you kind of help them figure it out? Or is there some sort of special, um, attribute that kind of helps you lead them to the right place or. It really depends very much on um, certain aptitudes, especially if they're if they are interested in the in the contemplative life. Mm-hmm. Um, for uh, for young ladies, those contemplative congregations like the Carmelites are uh, not for everyone. Mm-hmm. There's certainly a, a great appeal to them, especially if you know they've read Saint Therese of the Child Jesus and they they're drawn by that spirituality. But sure. it, it does take a tremendous balance. To live that that uh, that cloistered life, uh, and so there's there's that as a question. But then beyond that, 
it's really a lot about just what what is their attraction mm-hmm. you know in terms of, of thinking about the religious life what is that they they really want to do mm-hmm. uh, it can be a question of you know attraction to say Carmelite spirituality or attraction to the devotion to the to the sacred heart or they want to be they want to be a teacher or or um, to work uh, in a more nursing type of capacity uh, and then you know to steer them in the direction of those congregations that do those different kinds of work sometimes really it's they visit a place and they just like it yeah sure <laughs> it feels like home to them there's a there's a welcoming family atmosphere right. uh, and they seem to fit in and that that is very often the deciding factor and that that wouldn't be really selfish I mean that's probably something that, that many of us think of well we need to not be selfish but you also have to be happy in a certain sense. You right. have to be satisfied in, in the life. You're, otherwise, you're going to do a bad job. Right. And if it, if it seems to, to work for you, sure. you, know, you can even think of it like like getting married. You know, sure. you're not just, I've got my list of qualifications for a spouse. You meet them, we should get married. You mm-hmm. know, there's, there, there is that that personal side of it, that, sure. that interaction. Do we, do we work together? Right. Uh, and I think that, that also does play a role in, in, in questions of the religious life. Very good. Well, let's move on to the vocations retreat. Uh, we have two vocations retreats coming up this summer. Um, and one for, one for ladies here in Phoenix and one for young men that's up at the, uh, uh Holy Angels and the Bishop, uh, up in Winona. Is that correct? Is this correct? Okay. Um, People are probably familiar with the Ignatian retreat, you know, the, the five-day Ignatian retreat that we do here at Phoenix. Um, is it sort of similar to that? Is it based off of the same sort of ideal or what's the what's the purpose of the vocations retreat? How is it different from others? So it is the, the way we are conducting the retreats. They, they will be Ignatian retreats. Okay. So five-day Ignatian retreats. And in uh, St. Ignatius's original idea, uh, of the retreat, he's he's got his retreating for thirty days, sure, and it's one on one retreating and retreat master. <laughs> it's not the most efficient way to to, right. uh, to preach retreats, that's for sure. Uh, it'd be nice, but um, and so to be able to focus the retreat a bit more, it helps to to, to narrow it down so that you have these people who are at the same place in their life, effectively. Mm-hmm. Your typical five day nation retreat. Uh, you've got a huge range of of ages and backgrounds and, and where they are in their lives. We had one retreat last year where we had uh, an 18 year old young man and an 87 year old. Mm-hmm. They're they're not thinking about the same thing. Sure, and it's not like they can't that they won't get anything out of it. But you can really um, with a with a more focused group, you can can do things you otherwise wouldn't be able to do. And so they're all thinking about the this taking this step to perhaps pursue the priesthood of their religious life we focus very much on on St. Ignatius's choice of a way of life mm-hmm. is kind of the, the 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 big moment if you will of the uh, of the whole retreat so we get them thinking in that mindset early on and uh and using the, the meditations, you know, St. Ignatius is just 30 days, we cram it into five, so there's lots of stuff you have to leave out. Right. So when you have this focus group of people thinking about, about choosing a state of consecrated life, you can um, use some of those meditations that you might not otherwise use. So sure. um, we'll do a meditation on the call of the apostles. 
um, for example, um, that we wouldn't do on an ordinary uh, five-day vacation retreat. Okay. Um, who who should be attending the retreat? I know when I was graduating high school or you know 16, 17 through through 19, um, it was put into my head looking back at it wrongly now that all right, you have to decide whether you're going to go to college or go to the seminary or you're going to go to work or go to the seminary. And you have to make that decision at age 17. Uh, and looking back on it now, I realize that was not the right message to be giving to, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds. Um, so obviously you, you joined the seminary uh, a little bit later after college, right? You graduated from the university of Maryland. That's right. Um, so who should be attending, who should be looking at possibly attending this retreat? Those people who are at that point in their life where they are seriously considering this, this is an, an option that's really on the, the table for them, that they are, it's been been on their mind. They want to, to really um, consider it you know, with that, that spirit of generosity, with a, you know, with a degree of seriousness, it's, it's gotta be more than just, well, maybe, you know, um, right. but, uh, but beyond that, there aren't too many restrictions I would say on who can attend. Um, obviously you have to be free to choose the priesthood or the disciples. Sure. If you're already married or have impediments, uh, of other sorts, then it wouldn't be for you. There goes my deposit. <laughs> <Great>. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Um, so do you want, I mean, do you want a lot of people to come? I mean, obviously you, you, you do in a sense, you yes. want many, many yes. vocations, but, um, if someone's like, well, I, I might be, I don't know. I'm just kind of trying, just kind of starting to think about it. Mm -hmm. Do you want that kind of person to come to the retreat or someone who's really more seriously thinking right. about it? It's not going to hurt okay. <laughs> the, uh, the person that, the, that first, um, sort. Sure. That, uh, um, and I think it, it can be an opportunity to, to become, you know, more serious about it. But, uh, but yeah, it does have to have to be a real option, you know, because if you're, if you're just there to, to make mom happy or whatever, right. then that's, that's the candidate that I don't want. That's right. the one that's not, not likely to bear fruit. Absolutely. Um, you, you want people to consider the, the priesthood, you know, the, the religious life, the consecrated life. Um, are there other benefits to, to going on this retreat? I mean, if, if let's say I were able to go, um, and didn't have the impediments, uh, and I went and decided not to become a priest or a brother, I'd be getting something out of it. Right. Certainly. And not just having arrived at that decision, which is, you know, can be helpful too. Sure. Uh, but also it's, uh, the benefits of any five day nation retreat you have, you're spending that time in, in that close contact with our Lord in, in silence, uh, thinking about him getting more serious about, uh, about your Catholic life. And I think even for those who, who decide not to, to pursue it, it can also help to deepen their appreciation, um, for the priesthood of their religious life, uh, to be supporters of it for the future, for their own children, if they get married and have kids and so on. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that as I've worked more with the site of St. Pius the 10th over the years, um, I've gained a deeper appreciation for the priesthood and I'm not just sitting here saying this cause I'm in front of you. Um, but I, I wish more people understood the importance of it. And I realize, and in sermons, probably it's difficult for you to preach that without sounding very self-aggrandizing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so what more can, can me, uh, you know, us faithful, what, what more could we do to help, uh, promote the priesthood really? The, the first and very 
obvious answer, it sounds like the thing that I have to say uh, <laughs> is is to pray. Sure. Uh, to pray for priests, to pray for the sanctification of priests, to pray for more for, for vocations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really, you know, the, the grace is a, is a reality. The supernatural is is real, and uh, and we we need that. Mm-hmm. You know, we we never see directly the results of those prayers in the sense that I know that my prayer helped that guy. Right, right. But it, it, it does. Uh, you know, there are any number of young men who, uh, who make it to the priesthood uh, who seem like long shots or almost backed <laughs> out at a certain point. Yeah. And, you know, what got them there to a large extent, it was it was the, the prayers of, of the faithful. Absolutely. And as far as this vocations retreat itself, um, can people sponsor someone? Can people help you know, to send someone, there's probably a cost. I think it's two hundred dollars or something to go on this retreat. Uh, I think it's two fifty for what I'm three hundred here. Three hundred here. Okay. Well, we'll have the details in the in the descriptions here. But uh, if someone wants to to help support this type of you know vocations retreat or, or fostering vocations, that's possible for them to do as well. Certainly, we could absolutely. <laughs> You're not going to say no to that. We're right? not going to turn to people <laughs> trying to pay for retreats. <laughs> okay. Um, just kind of one one more thing as as we close here. Um, there was a part of your sermon that you gave a few weeks ago, and you're probably going to start sweating when I say this because I'm quoting you. Um, you said it's not a matter, matter of deep soul searching to find some mysterious calling in the depths of our being. It's a judgment of prudence, realizing that the priesthood is worth pursuing and deciding to do it. Um, so for the young man who's thinking, you know, I might be giving up this, I might be giving up that, I might be, you know, waffling back and forth. You know, can you speak to that of? Telling them this is worth something worth doing. All right. Well, any anything worth doing is going to to involve sacrifice, and generally, the the greater the thing we're trying to accomplish, the more sacrifice it's going to involve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God is never outdone in generosity, as as we say, and it, and it really is true. He, sure. There, the priesthood is it's a beautiful life. The religious life is a beautiful life. There are crosses, but there are crosses in, in any life. Yeah. Uh, and there are tremendous helps um, for bearing those crosses. The community life, the prayer in common, the daily mass and, and daily communion, the, all of these these great gifts that God gives us uh, as his, his official um, friends, right? those of us who have really dedicated our lives entirely to him. Mm-hmm. We have a special right to, to, to graces. We have a special relationship with God. Uh, that, that is worth really sacrificing anything for. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Father. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of the SSPX podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the SSPX podcast. If you're not sure how, we have a handy guide at sspxpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can see archives of all of our past episodes. Also, please leave a rating and a review of this podcast on whatever podcast app or program you're using. Doing this helps to make it more visible to more people. Thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate your prayers and support of this apostolate. Until next time, God bless you.